But if your body is firing all the threat levels and the energy feels threatened, your body is going to have the opposite effect. This is why people can gain weight on really low-calorie diets, and you can even gain weight not eating at all. And it all has to do with the threat response to the body. So again, the untold truth of health has to be is that the only way you can fully achieve a state of health is to understand and to provide a sense of safety for your body. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa. This is the place where I believe you were made for living well, which means you were made for living healthy. Now, today we're talking all about what it takes to get healthy and the untold truth in the health space. Something that's really going to help you understand it in a new way. Because here's the reality. We have to do something different. The way health has gone has not worked. And if we continuously repeat the cycles, we're only going to get more frustrated and burnout and questioning if health is even possible. But I hope if you spent any amount of time here at The Living Well, then you know health is possible for everyone. And it's not about the resources you have or the genetics that you carry. It really is inside of you. And understanding health in a new way can help you live it out. Now today, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about the untold truth about what it takes to get healthy. I'm also going to break down some bigger concepts and ideas on why health has really been impossible. And I promise at the end to give you some really practical tips to start getting healthy today, which is possible. Now, this is the last podcast before we jump into the summer series, which This understanding is going to help you understand more deeply and intimately what we're going to talk about this summer, which is this mind-body connection, understanding the principles of change, and really how to energize your body without needing to eat it. There's so much good stuff happening this summer. There's four kind of deeper lessons, and then there's going to be four lighter lessons that are going to give you the really practical understanding that you can start to work this out. Now, that podcast series is coming out in just a few weeks, but I did promise today on the show that I was going to talk about my experience with Levels and have my husband Peyton on the show to also talk about his experience with Levels or continuous glucose monitoring. And I have to say, I wasn't quite ready to fully share the information that I want to do. I really feel like to give you the best understanding of what I learned, I need to take it for a couple more months so that I can really help you to understand if there's value in it and also some of the things that I learned that were really interesting and unique. Now, because I promised it, I don't wanna leave you hanging until fall. So over on my email list, make sure you jump on. You can find that at thelivingwell.com. You can jump on. We've completely reformatted the email list. It's in a brand new space and location that's gonna make it easier for you to go back and find previous articles, previous newsletters that I've written to you so you don't have to save them all in your inbox. However, they are all still delivered to your inbox. And I know you get a lot of mail, but I promise inside this newsletter called The Weekly Fill, it will leave you healthier and happier. 
And in the next few days, I'm going to be sharing some initial thoughts about levels and what I learned. So you can find all of that over there. But you know, come fall, I'm going to be talking all about it as I get my husband back on the show to dive in more. Now, don't forget to sign up for the weekly fill at thelivingwell.com, where you're going to get all kinds of great things and also have the opportunity to join our community called Hell School, where we dive deeper and more intimately into subjects that I think could really help you out. That's all at thelivingwell.com. You can also find more information on today's show over there. Now, I want to jump right into this podcast today because obviously... Health is a passion of mine. I I say that lightly because there's also been a part of me that has never wanted to speak about health again. And I think part of the reason why is one, it's incredibly frustrating space to be in, to work in, to uh, try to find results in. It's just a really overwhelming, confusing, almost sometimes feels immoral, the space we call health. And for good reason, because historically speaking, as statistics show, we really haven't seen any value since the incorporation of the health space. Some arguably would say that we've actually gone in the opposite direction. Now average lifespans have decreased for the first time in history. I mean, there's a lot of not great things happening, even though we seemingly know more about the human body than ever before. And as I've thought long and hard about this and gone through periods of my life where I'm like, I am so over this, I feel like all that's happening in the health space is that I'm just reminding people of their problems. And that's kind of the traditional approach to health, right? Show you that you have a problem, convince you that you do, and then sell the solution. And this is what I hate (laughs) because it leaves you so fixated on your problems It even makes you believe that you are the problem, that your body's broken, that there's no hope for you. I mean, it just goes on and on. And I didn't want to be a part of that. There are enough worries in this life that living a victim to your own body should not be one of them. So I quit health for a period of my life. Uh, That's a whole story that I've talked about before in the podcast. I'm going to be talking more about that in the newsletter, The Weekly Fill, so jump on there. But I realized that health is still a necessity for life. So even though I wanted to quit it, even though I never wanted to talk about it again, even though I wanted to tell you to quit health, I realized that health is still a necessity. Health is the tool to live life. And if our health is not functioning at optimum speeds, you're not living life optimally, right? Like you're you're having a disadvantage in this life and you're not living to your fullest, maybe not to your fullest purpose. And so I kind of moved myself into the mindset space because that is of utmost importance, right? Is understanding how you think and what you believe and I've kind of camped out there. But I also have to say that you still want to be healthy. I still want to be healthy. I sometimes would still like to lose some weight, right? When I feel heavy or bloated, there are times when I'm like, man, I just need to get my body back into balance. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I recognize that if I'm not talking about it, you're finding the information out there. And if I can help shed light and truth onto what health actually means and how to achieve it, because you're still going to need it and even seek it, then I want to be a part of the conversation. 
I want to be a part of the conversation that shifts the narrative back in favor of your body. And today, that's what I want to help you do. And this summer, all summer long, we're talking about the mind-body connection, really pulling it together to see that it's not about what you do to your body, but it's about how your body responds to what you do. And that's what we're going to learn about right here. So we're diving in specifically to the health of the body today. And in the coming podcast series, we're going to get into the mind and soul and how that's related to the body. But of course, like I mentioned, the health of your body really does matter. It is the very vehicle to how you live out your life, right? Like you need your body to exist so that you can have the energy to go and do, to live, to work, to play, to have a family, to live your passions, to explore. All of those things are really coming from your body. Now, I think it's important to understand that how you define health has to be incredibly personal for you. What that looks like, what that feels like, what you expect, that's all really up to you in some ways. Now, of course, there's healthy foundations and baselines that we can maybe use to create a better image of health. But at the end of the day, what we really must understand is that health is personal, but it's also not a place you arrive, but a way that you live. Health is a verb, not a noun. It's an action or the continuous series of actions that you take every day to live your healthiest self. And those actions that you take are going to be influencing your body, your mind, and your soul. And it's these actions really at the end of the day, it's what you do that creates the health that you experience. Now, that might seem really similar to the traditional approach to health. That's like, yeah, I do all of the right things. I count calories. I work out harder. I've watched my macronutrients. I've cut one completely out of my diet. And you probably found that it worked at least for a period of time until it didn't. And this is where most people come to me on their health journey. I've done all of the right things and nothing seems to work. Or I did it and then it stopped working And I don't know what to do because nothing else seems to be working. And you might be there or you might be like other people, myself included, who's like, I don't want to end up there. I'm worried about these extremist kind of diet tips. I understand that they work. It's a little bit tempting to do that just to see a quick fix. But I'm questioning what the long-term ramifications of such a lifestyle are. And I just want to know, what is it going to take And what does it look like to create change without sabotaging your health? But I think, again, there's no arguing that the health of your body matters and that achieving that or seeking that is not wrong. It's beneficial. I think what's wrong about it and where we've gone and been led astray is where we put our focus, what we try to control. And what we try to control becomes our focus, it becomes our fixation, it becomes where we put all of our attention and energy. And if we're controlling something that's outside of our control, we're really never going to see the results that we wanna do. And this is what the health space has made us do. It's made us try to control something that's not in our control while distracting us from the things that actually are. For instance, we've been led to believe that we can control how much we weigh or we can control how we look. And on the surface, that sounds really good. It's believable. It does feel like 
we have control over that. And in some roundabout way, I suppose that you could really pull enough facts to make that true. But I think we spend so much time focusing on that, that we miss the very thing that's actually going to change that. We spend so much time fixating on our weight that we neglect to understand it's not us and our decisions that are really changing our weight. It's our body's response to the decisions we make that are changing our weight. And I don't want you to miss that because it's one very important step that we miss and it's the very thing that we actually have control over. Because if we miss this, what we're left with is the understanding that if I'm not healthy, I've got to chase something down, some external thing, and if I follow it perfectly, then things will change. Problem is, is that system or those systems, whatever system it is, historically speaking, they're all really well-researched. There's research to back up most diets on the market, claiming that they're all healthy. The problem is, is that they don't always work and they rarely work. Not because the diet is faulty. We've missed the very thing that controls our outcome. And that is, if you have a pen, you got to write this down. What is your body doing with what you provide? How is your body showing up? How is it responding? Because it's what your body does with what you have available that truly does create the outcome. Regardless of what decisions you're making, your body has the ultimate say in what you weigh. Your body has the ultimate say in the scope of your health and what diseases are present or how your body's healing or how it's detoxifying your body. So it's really up to your body. And we spend so much time concerned about what we do that we fail to recognize it's not just about what you do, but it's about how your body responds to what you do. And this is where like the whole saying comes from of like, just because someone says it's healthy or just because research proves it's healthy does not actually mean it's healthy for you. What's healthy for you is what your body needs in any given moment of any day. And as long as we fail to recognize our body, to understand our body, in many ways to respect and value our body, We'll kind of always be left trying to seek out some external solution that we believe will kind of be the easy button to changing our entire outlook, all the while neglecting everything your body is saying, trying to get you to understand exactly what it needs. But I think part of the reason that we miss this is because we've been led to villainize the body, to see the body as kind of against you, as something that's always aging and maybe causing harm, and it's your job to try to prevent that. But what I need you to understand is that your body is never against you. Your body's only job is health. It's to keep you alive and to keep you safe. And really, it wants to be well. Like its job is to create the healthiest image of yourself that it can in the situation that it has. In order to really achieve health, On some level, we all have to believe that our bodies are capable, that they want to be well, and that they're doing the best they can with what they have. And that can change. Your body's response is always changing to the environment in which you provide it. And this is what we have control over. We can't necessarily control how our body responds, but we can support it, not micromanage it, 
And that's different than trying to change it or force it, but really starting to learn to work with your biology to create the healthiest outcome possible. So you have to start with the belief that your body wants to be well. And when you understand that, then it's easier to understand that if your body is fighting for you and every, every single second of every day, and it's doing the best with what it has, then it's up to you to understand what could I give it that would make it better? Like, so it's not just running on the best that it can, like most bodies are running on fumes, but how can I actively support my body so that it can move into the state of thriving? And when we move into the state of thriving, when our cells are fully energized, your body no longer feels the need to store, hoard, and conserve energy in the form of body fat. And it can start to free that and use that so you're not so set on maintaining it. You can actually start to see a natural reduction in weight, not because of something you forced your body into or restricted or starved or deprived yourself there. That's the opposite of how your body works. That's only going to accentuate the body war. But you start to pay attention to it. You listen to it. You create some awareness around your body. And you see that health is not this 60-day plan, but it's lived in the everyday moments. It's what does my body need right now, and how can I supply more of that? And your body has tons of signals that it's always sending you. They're called biofeedback signals or channels, like hunger and thirst are some really um, common ones that most people experience, right? But your body is constantly sending signals. It's constantly telling you. And what it needs, what it doesn't need. And if you really pay attention, you can see almost an attraction to some things and a repulsion from other things. You might start salivating around things or you might start um, you might start putting up some walls and having some avoidance to other things. Your body is always interacting with a life around you. And it's this interaction that's really creating the outcome that you experience. Because every single thing that we come in contact to is influencing our body in a positive or a negative way. I mean, you could argue some is neutral, but it's always having this exchange, this exchange of technically energy. And I don't mean that in a woo-woo kind of way, but all of health, all of life is a movement, a flow, an exchange of energy. And how your body is exchanging this energy is creating the outcome you experience. Now, I feel like I've hit that nail on the head pretty hard, but what's fascinating about this exchange of energy and some one topic that we're going to dive more deeply into this summer that I just want to kind of get you excited for is the energetic field or the energy field of your body. And it's this outward field that's all around you that you emit that is kind of changing um, the scope of your health. And how do we healthify that energetic field so it's flexible and not as frail as a lot of people's energetic fields are. But today I want to continue on with understanding what is health. So again, to be very clear, health is the outcome you're trying to experience is not based on necessarily what you do, but what your body or how your body responds to what you do. You might be like, well, isn't that up to me then to decide what I do to change how my body responds. Absolutely. Like that's what I want you to see. But what I'm trying to help you understand is that most people miss 
the understanding of what your body's doing with what you provide, and you automatically go to, I'm just going to change this, or I'm just going to try that. And you have no understanding of if it's even good or right for you. You have no understanding of if your body's responding in a positive or negative way, because all we're focused on is what we do and the outcome we achieve. We miss the middle parts. The middle parts is really where health lies. So we have to have that understanding. Now, understanding how the body responds, and this is where I'm coming to the one untold truth in the health space that we have to understand is that the body is always responding based on the threat level or the safety level. And a lot of people in the health space don't talk about this because we're so fixated on just doing things to force an outcome or doing things to change your body. We eat to change how we look. We move to change our waistline. Like we do things for an outcome with zero understanding of how is your body responding? And again, this boils down to the the threat level or the level of safety inside your system. And this is where we see the mind, body, and soul start to really pull itself together. But if we just stay on the topic of the body, your body is really determining how it responds based on how safe it feels. And it does this through the autonomic nervous system, which is really this big overarching command center that's helping you to distinguish how your body should respond to the environment in which you're living. So the autonomic nervous system, again, we've talked about this on here, but if you're new, the autonomic nervous system has three parts. It has the sympathetic, the parasympathetic, and the enteric. And all of these systems are essentially dictating the body's response signals. So it's going to change your hormonal flow. It's going to change your neurotransmitters. It's going to change your immune function, your heart rate, your your thoughts. I mean, really everything inside your body is going to be altered based on what state of the nervous system your body's living in. Now, all are important and necessary. You have the, the fight or flight and the rest and digest phase. However, we can get ourselves stuck in that fight or flight state and even move ourselves into a freeze state. And staying here for prolonged periods of time is really going to alter the entire response of your body. And we can see this through things like the body's hormonal hierarchy, which proves that the number one determining factor of your hormones or of the actions that are going to be produced in your cells is based on the bottom tier, which has to do with um, co- which uh, includes cortisol and insulin and oxytocin. So kind of the hormones that are going to be determining your fight or flight state, determining your threat level, and then it's going to go into the DHEA hormones and then the sex hormones. And again, we try to hack our sex hormones. We think, I have a weight problem. It must be my thyroid. Or I have a fertility problem. It must be my estrogen or progesterone or testosterone. And yes, we have so many of those issues, but they didn't start the issue. The issue started down the pyramid based on the hormones that are produced by the threat response of the body. It always starts with the safety response of the system. I'll make sure and post the hormonal hierarchy over in the blog post so that you can see that and explain it a little bit more there. But again, it just proves that the threat level or the safety level is of utmost importance to your body and the threat or safety level and how safe or unsafe your body is, is going to change the outcome of your body. 
meaning you could do all the right things. But if your body is firing all the threat levels and the energy feels threatened, your body is going to have the opposite effect. This is why people can gain weight on really low-calorie diets, and you can even gain weight not eating at all. And it all has to do with the threat response to the body. So again, the untold truth of health has to be is that the only way you can fully achieve a state of health is to understand and to provide a sense of safety for your body. Now, of course, there's always going to be threats and your body was designed to do hard things. This doesn't mean a life avoidant of stress. It just means learning how to provide for your body. It means learning how to balance your body when your body feels out of whack. It means supporting your system as a whole. And traditionally speaking, the health space had made us view this supporting your body, feeding your body, and nourishing your body in a very bad light. In fact, most people in the health space and where most diets go wrong is the sheer fact that it just fires off your threat level. Most diets have a level of scarcity inside of them, a level of deprivation, sometimes starvation, and definitely restriction, all of which are going to remind your body that something is awry, that you should be on alert, and it's going to change the entire hormonal sequence that is released throughout your body, changing the outcome that you experience. Again, in the short term, not so much. In the short term, stressing your body is really beneficial. It's when we see this done over prolonged periods of time without any sort of rebalancing effect on the other side. Why? Because your body is always fighting for safety. And when it feels safe, it can change in miraculous ways. It can heal. It can clean up damage. I mean, it can really do great things. Like even think about the placebo effect, right? Like the placebo effect essentially shows the power of providing a safe place or at least providing the healthy, positive thoughts that your body is capable, that things are going to change, that you have the tools that you need. And just believing that is enough to heal your body on its own. That's why the placebo effect works. Like that's why we have placebos and why we understand this is because we know that there's immense power and putting faith and trust that your body can heal, even if you put it in a placebo pill, it's still having the positive effects inside your system. We're going to talk more about the placebo effect this summer too, because it is really fascinating. But again, it's just providing that sense of safety inside your system. And when your body's safe, then it can function appropriately. When your body's safe, it can transfer nutrients and energy opening up every single cell to work together, to communicate, to have the functions that it needs, to clean up the cells that aren't functioning or are dead, to get rid of them. Kind of give yourself space, like space to heal, space to live, um, space to thrive. But when your body doesn't have the energy or when your body feels threatened, your body gets into this heightened state. But in this heightened state, you also start to shut down necessary processes of healing and of thriving. Your digestive tract starts to shut down. Your cells start to um, close up and put up protective barriers so that they don't communicate as well together. Your heart rate speeds up. Like so many things inside your system shift when the threat is on the horizon. And again, that's not wrong in the short term. It's actually incredibly beneficial. But over the long haul, it does great damage. 
Like one good example of this is like if inflammation, for instance, inflammation can be incredibly beneficial, but over the long haul can be so damaging. So think about twisting your ankle. I did this the other day at pickleball. It was horrible. But instantly you have that swelling, right? You have that rush of inflammation. And what that inflammation is doing is it's essentially coming into the picture to help preserve your healthy cells while also helping to break down the hurt cells so that your body can restore them and repair them. It's essentially kind of like an ice pack or a comfort or a a bandage that your body's trying to put on your wound while your body goes to work to heal it. Now, in the short term, it really does remarkable things. It does help your body to heal. But long term, if we see excess systemic inflammation, that inflammation starts to break down the healthy cells. It breaks up communication. It creates stuck energy. It really just creates like this sludge inside your body, and it prevents it from functioning optimally. So in the short term, we see a lot of this being really beneficial. It's the long-term situations that we have a problem with. In long-term, people have really restricted and deprived and starved their body of what it needs to thrive, which has created this body war and the outcomes people hate. Now, something I find really interesting is when you start to align this with some other thoughts and ideas like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is another pyramid-like structure that I'm going to link up in the show notes. And essentially, it shows that essentially what Maslow's hierarchy shows is that things not lower on the pyramid need to be satisfied before individuals can attend to needs higher up. You work from the bottom to the top, just like the hormone hierarchy shows that the hormones at the bottom are going to influence what's happening at the top of the pyramid. Now, Maslow's hierarchy of needs shows at the bottom that your physiological needs must be met before you can feel safe and secure, before you can have a sense of love and belonging, before you can have any sort of self-esteem or self-confidence, or have any kind of self-actualization. I'm going to put that whole pyramid again on the show notes so you can really see it. But it shows that if your physiological needs are not met, then everything else in your life is going to be out of balance. No wonder people struggle with confidence. No wonder we get addicted to things. No wonder we have no sense of self and we tend to disassociate with ourselves. No wonder so many people are struggling in relationships and belonging and finding safety and security. We're always looking because we're not meeting our health needs, because we're not fulfilling the physiological needs, not wants, the needs of our body. And those needs are having enough oxygen, having the right amount of food and nutrients, water, hydration, shelter, clothing, and adequate sleep. Those are what fall into the bottom category of that pyramid. And I think it's so fascinating to recognize as the diet industry has boomed, what we know is that when you, when, as the diet industry has boomed and you set this pyramid beside it, what we recognize is, is the diet industry has actually prevented you from meeting your psych- physiological needs. They work against the nourishing needs of your body and tend to pull you more into the restriction, deprivation, starvation, excessive stress, overwhelm, and even sometimes a lack of sleep. It has the opposite effect, and we wonder again why we're here. 
It's because in order to create a sense of belonging, in order to create a sense of self-confidence, we really do have to start meeting our physiological needs. And yes, the mindset's important and your beliefs are really important, but it's going to be really hard to dig into those, to really create the change and not to become um, self-wounded by them again if we're not meeting our physiological needs. So the health of the body is critical in the health of the whole because it helps you move up the pyramid to really get to the place where you are creative and spontaneous and you can have more freedom and adventure and excitement and meaning and inner purpose. And you can really start to shape and understand your beliefs in a deeper way. You can really live out the purpose that God intended for you. And as long as we don't meet those physiological needs, I think we'll always be self-protecting. And that self-protecting state is always going to change our mindset and our viewpoint and see the world in a more negative, harsh way. Why? Because we're always on alert. The world isn't safe because you haven't met your physiological needs. So we have to understand that the most important and critical aspect of life and of health is safety. And it doesn't mean that you have to avoid all dangerous situations. It just means that you have to be responsible for providing a sense of safety or at least the energy and nutrients that your body needs to handle any situation that it's faced with. We definitely don't have control over life. You certainly don't have control over how much you weigh, but you do have control over how you choose to support your body. And if we keep seeking health in a way that diminishes what our body needs, we'll always be fighting for health. We'll always be dealing with an issue. Like we'll always be working against our body instead of for it. So we have to provide that sense of safety. And I think when it looks at like these physiological needs, what does that mean, right? I think it goes back to why I love maybe more of like the pro-metabolic style of eating or just looking at food and recognizing that what you eat definitely does influence your outcome, but only as a matter of how it's influencing your physiological needs. So instead of looking at food and the scarcity mindset or eating things that are void of nutrients or low energy foods, we're starting to shift our understanding that it's not necessarily about an amount or about a level of perfection, but it's really about supplying the body with the tools and resources that it needs to thrive. It's letting go of the moral code. It's recognizing that food is not about good or bad, right or wrong, but it's every day recognizing what can I consume that's going to help support my body at a cellular level. And it's not gonna be perfect. Food is also supposed to be pleasurable. So really, it's understanding how do I create this balance where I'm supporting my body with the foods that are going to nourish it, supply the nutrients that it needs, foods, looking at food not to change my body, but in support of it, while also understanding that food is supposed to be pleasurable. It's meant to be enjoyed because it's pleasure that keeps us coming back for more. And we're never going to take the pleasure away from that In fact, the more you try, probably the more you're going to be addicted to highly pleasurable foods instead of finding pleasure in the everyday nourishing foods that your body needs. And this makes eating less about calories or what macronutrients you consume, although, of course, there's a balance within that. But it's really looking at food based on 
how is this going to support my biology? How is this going to either add to my energy flow or is it going to take away from it? And you might have foods on occasion like pizza and french fries that are negative energy foods, that are foods that are maybe gonna make you feel a little bit more sluggish. But you do that because there's also an element of pleasure. And if you do it at a party or a gathering with other people, it definitely changes the entire dynamic of what your body's going to get from that. But in general, it's looking at food, not through the lens of what the world has told you is right or wrong, but through the lens of what does my body need and how can I best support that? Not for perfection, but just in the everyday, how can I eat more foods that fill me up? Now, like I mentioned, food is important to our body. It's so important that it has a level of pleasure that keeps us coming back for more. In fact, all survival needs of the body have a pleasurable response to them, like intimacy, like reproduction, right? Like there's a pleasure associated with that because if it wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't come back for more of it. We don't necessarily do things that we don't like without having an element of understanding that there's pleasure associated or that this is going to make my life better. And so I'll forever shout from the rooftops that while food itself is not emotional, the act of eating certainly is, and we're never going to take that away. But we can control and shape how we respond to that or how we create that. And if we're not creating that in a way that's logical and making decisions around that are based on where we want to go, our illogical or subconscious brain will do that for us. What I mean by that is if we take the pleasure out of food, if we eat bland, boring diets and we restrict and starve ourselves, what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up to become obsessed with food, obsessed with highly pleasurable foods because we've neglected a necessary part of eating. All that to say is we cannot neglect the aspect of food and We cannot neglect the pleasure aspect of food. Now, I fully believe that you can find pleasure in really healthy things, but it's a choice. And I heard this really great quote the other day. It's a decision and decisions are really important. And if we don't understand how to make decisions even outside of emotion, because decisions made in emotion are more of an instinct, it's something that you're just gonna kind of walk yourself right into, which have have value, but they're definitely not as powerful as making decisions based on the path that you want to go outside of your emotion, understanding the vision of where you want to get to, understanding the long-term benefit of what healthy eating is going to produce. I don't want to say that you have to convince yourself not to consume the pleasurable foods, but it's really creating this balance of recognizing that while you can eat those highly pleasurable foods that you've kind of been addicted to or have really craved, it's also balancing that with highly nutritious foods and seeing and understanding and, and really creating the value and the pleasure within those based on how you feel long-term. So it's both, right? It's creating pleasure and filling your body with nutritious foods. And in the process of finding that unique balance that works for you in the everyday moment, you're really going to start to kind of free yourself from the the food addictions or free yourself from this incessant need to worry so much about what you eat. And you start to shape your health and recognize that how you feel and the outcome that you achieve is how your body's responding. And of course, there's so many other things that your body's responding to outside of just food and what you drink. 
But we have to understand that meeting your physiological needs is going to change how you experience and how you show up in life and all the other aspects of it. So we have to start meeting those physiological needs. So I have a few very practical ways that you can do this that don't cost anything, but I think these are ways that we can easily like turn and look the other way and think, well, that's not really like a diet. I don't know how I perfectly follow that and track that and set goals based on that. Here's the thing. Health is just so natural as a part of our everyday life that this shouldn't be something that you have to obsess about and plan and, and, and forecast like it's a work project. This is just a part of life. It's how you live and experience it. And so starting to shift it away from this big grand plan just into how can I just treat my body the best today? How can I support my body in the way that it needs today? And I say that because your body is always changing. There's always seasons and there's always cycles. So for instance, we went on vacation not that many weeks ago and I got really bad food poisoning. And I told my husband, I'm never going to eat food again, <laughs> right? Like when you're in the, the thick of it, you're like, food is horrible. I'm never going to eat again. I can't imagine that. And it took a while, like a few days to really get myself back into like, okay, I can even be around food without feeling nauseous. And like, I am going to lose everything that's inside of me. But then a few weeks went by, right? And I'm kind of in the phase now where my body's making up for that lost time. Now I feel incredibly ravenous. And, and diet culture would tell you, right, like that there has to be an even consistency to all of this, that I should ignore these hunger signals, that I should um, suppress them and be disciplined enough to not pay attention to them. And, and there's some merit to understanding that there is some emotional level to food that we do need to work on creating some discipline around. And it's going to take discipline to eat well. But when we completely neglect our body for the sake of what someone else told you you need to do, well, failing to recognize that sometimes your body just needs more support will push our body into a state of unsafety, which is going to change every single function inside your body, creating a more negative outcome. This was the life that I lived pre-crash. I did all of the right things while completely neglecting what my body was saying, and I eventually crashed and burned. I got super sick and gained a bunch of weight. But this time, I recognized that my body was really starving. It was malnourished and deprived, and it took so much energy and work to rid myself of the food poisoning and heal it that now it's time to make up for that lost time. Does that mean I'm binging on everything I want? No, it just means, okay, how can I best support my body in this time, in these days, in this week that feels like I am a teenage boy? It's how can I supply more nourishing foods so that my body can really be filled? And I wonder, are you hungry all the time, binging on all of the things, never being satisfied, not because you're not supplying food, but you're not supplying the nutrients that your body needs. Your body's not necessarily hungry as much as it's nutrient deprived. And this is where the art of nourishing your body comes in, which means you just have to listen to it, supply what it needs. So I've made a list of very practical applications that are kind of foundational, I feel like, for most humans. There's nothing set in stone about this. And this I know it's not sexy or attractive because you want me to tell you exactly how many carbs and how many calories that you should consume. 
And I want you to know there's not a person in the world who can do that on a daily basis. We don't have that knowledge. We don't have that ability, nor do I think we ever will because it's really arbitrary to who you are. But I do think these tips can be really beneficial. So the first one that's beneficial because they help provide a sense of safety to the body. They're helping you to remember to supply your physiological needs. Number one is have consistent mealtimes. I see in the world of intermittent fasting, which I'm a proponent of, but more circadian fasting, I'm going to link that up in the show notes because it's very different than intermittent fasting, that I see people all the time who are completely eliminating breakfast and sometimes lunch, and then eating erratically at night. Your body can adapt to that for a short period of time, but when you're doing it all the time, it really is raising all kinds of threat levels inside your system because food and supplying the nutrients your body needs is a marker of safety. So if you wake up in the morning, you're like, well, I'm not really that hungry. It's really busy. I'm just going to rush around and I'm going to miss breakfast. You're affecting your body in a negative way, and it has to compensate for that, and it's not going to be in your favor. And so it's really important that you provide consistent mealtimes for your body. I'm not opposed to fasting or you know, not eating a meal on occasion because I think it's good to push your body in those ways, but on a day-to-day basis, we really need to eat consistent mealtimes and eat breakfast. It's really important for your body. Number two... It's really important for your body because it sets the stage for the day that says, hey, I'm showing up for you today. When you don't and you push your body, even if it needs food, because it does need food right away in the morning, you're just going to raise your cortisol levels, changing your hormonal hierarchy, and that's going to be set for the remainder of the 24 hours. So it's important to have those consistent mealtimes, especially surrounding breakfast. Number two, I think it's good to have an occasional fast. Like it's good to remind yourself that you do not live on bread alone, right? That we are not fully satisfied or nourished on food alone, that we can meet our physiological needs and outside sources. We're going to talk about this this summer, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Consistent mealtimes, but also throwing in the occasional fast. Number three is we need to eat more produce and protein. So the two Ps are really important. Everyone gets worked up about carbohydrates right now, but I'm just here to say that if you eat more produce and protein, you'll naturally eat less carbohydrates. Instead of focusing on restriction, focus more on the things that you should be eating. And if you have the carbs, you have the carbs, right? We don't need to talk about that yet until you have the produce and protein thing down. On average, most women are not eating even half the amount of protein that they need in a day. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard to get enough protein that you need. But I promise that if you get more protein in produce, it will really drastically change how you feel and the entire hormonal hierarchy of your body. So make sure and emphasize protein in the system. And protein is one of the things we're going to talk about in the weekly fill coming up in the next few months. But eat more produce and more protein. And it's just a rule for me at every meal, I'm thinking, where's my produce and where's my protein? And every meal, I make sure that I have a hefty source of produce, and that could be fruits and or vegetables, and also a really great protein source. Now, in all honesty and transparency, I feel like I cannot find a way to eat enough protein without having a little bit of a supplement of that. So most days I'm having some kind of collagen powder 
or a, a healthy natural protein source just simply because in the state of my life, I just feel like I can't get enough of that. Now, that's not happening seven days a week, but I would say on average four-ish to five-ish days a week, I probably am supplementing with protein. Some weeks I'm not at all, but I can feel the difference. So you might have to supplement with protein to get enough, but I'm still a big pusher that try to get as much as you can from those food sources. Number four is plan your meals. And I only say this because now I know that can feel like an obsession and another stressor in your life, but I think it's actually the opposite. I think when you know what your next meal is and what you're having, you don't have to focus and worry about it so much. Food is so important that we will obsess about it if we feel like our if we subconsciously feel like we're restricting it or that it's scarce, it's like that scarcity mindset that we have. And so even if you're not conscious of it, there's this underlying kind of um, constant thought process of what I'm going to eat, where will I get the food, when will I eat, it, and it becomes this unspoken obsession that leads you to eat way more food. But if you plan your meals and you understand, okay, even if you don't quote unquote, plan every meal out and write it all out. Like at breakfast, I'm thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to have for lunch or just pack a lunch. Every week I try to write out, these are the meals that we're going to have for supper. And if I don't, it is chaotic and stressful. But even at supper, I'm like, or every week I know like these are the breakfast foods that I could choose from. It doesn't mean you have to eat it, but having a plan creates the abundance mindset that food is there it's available. I'm going to have a healthy meal. Therefore, I do not have to be so obsessed about finding it in the meantime. I can relax. I can sit down. I can rest. And I don't need to obsess. So meal plans can be really beneficial. It actually helps you to obsess less. Now, I want to throw out one quick thing in there because it's natural for people to be concerned about their next meal. It's actually a nurturing trait that many women, that more women possess than men, although men um, also think about their next meal. But women, because of the nurturing need to provide for young, um, will naturally be looking or preparing for food throughout the day. So I don't want you to think, oh man, I'm just obsessed about food. I have this obsession. I wish I'd never thought about it. I thought that for a while. Like I tried to get myself to a place where I didn't think about food. Um, and I recognize that's so outside of human nature that it really is impossible. What is true is that thinking about food and preparing for food is a natural instinct that human beings have, especially more of the nurturers uh, that would be more of the feminine energy. And I don't need to fight it. I just need to accept it and stop fretting over it so much. Sometimes I'm like, are we just fretting about things that are just normal, that are just natural Sometimes I think about that with anxiety. Like anxiety is not always the problem. It's the anxiety about the anxiety, right? Anxiety in itself is a pretty natural human response, but it gets more threatened when we're living in that scarcity mindset and it can also create it. But I think sometimes we worry so much about it that we just create more problems. So plan your meals. The fifth thing is understanding that the number one metric of safety inside the body is energy. If you haven't taken the energy quiz, you should take it at thelivingwell.com because it's going to explain more about energy. Now, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but only influenced. So this goes back to how your body responds. The energy and the things that you're doing are influencing your energy, whether in a positive way or negative way. 
So while I like to think about all things in life, especially the food that I eat as, is this influencing my energy in a positive way? Is it making me feel good and light and refreshed and alive or in a negative way? Do I feel bloated and tired and exhausted after I eat it? And it's not to say that you're going to get rid of all energy drains, but it's paying attention to how can I support my energy when I need to? And how can I do more things that our energy fills? Now, along these same lines is there's a lot of ways to support your energy that do not relate to food. And the more you can support your energy with non-food related things, the less food you are going to need. That doesn't mean you aren't going to need food at all, but the less that you'll need. So you can ground yourself. This is where mindset work comes in. Emotions are responsible for the majority of your energy levels. So coming back and listening to the summer series, it's going to be really important. But you can create a list of non-food-related energy fills, things that bring you life that do not require you to eat it. And then do more of those throughout your life. Things like this for me are like going on a walk, sitting in the sunlight, reading a good book, having a cup of tea, sitting in a bath, hugging someone, laughing, listening to a good playlist. Like the lists are endless, really. It's really just what gives you energy and doing more of that. And then number six is stop restricting. I think anytime we think about life and the restrictive scarcity mindset and it becomes a threat. The same thing goes for stress. When we have a negative view of that, it becomes a stress. Instead of recognizing that life is not always out to get you, it's not about how much stress you have or what you have to necessarily give up, but it's what can I do with what I have? What can I add to my life? So when it specifically comes to your body, stop thinking about, oh, I need to quit sugar or I need to quit carbs or I need to stop eating this. And again, just start thinking about like, okay, this isn't treating my body well. What can I do instead of that? What can I replace that with? Because if you have something to replace it with, you're focused on a positive. It's an abundance that's actually going to help you reduce. Restriction doesn't create a reduction. It creates a fear, which leads you to consume more. What does help you reduce is abundance. So anytime you feel like, okay, I want to eat less sugar, think about when do I feel like I need to eat sugar? Or when do I naturally find myself eating it? And what can I do to replace that? So like something simple is like, okay, on pancakes, I love pancakes, but I do not need to eat all the maple syrup. So instead, I'll warm up some berries and put just a little bit of maple syrup in it. Sometimes I don't even need that. Just warm some berries and use that as a sauce. Or I feel like in the afternoon, a lot of people eat candy and it's recognizing, okay, in the afternoon, I feel the need to eat candy. Maybe I'm going to have a second meal there, or I'm going to make a smoothie, or I'm going to eat something with the candy, right? Like it's doing something to support your body, even if you do consume a negative energy fill. So those are six big tips that I could give you um, that I want to reiterate. We can talk about all the other things, the little nitty gritty things. And if you have questions, please leave them at the weekly fill where you can leave comments now or send me a message at alexa at thelivingwell.com. I'm here for you, but I really want you to understand that the most critical element of health is creating safety. How can you make your body feel safe? How can you nurture it and nourish it and support it? What does your body need right now? Make a list and do more of that. 
Okay, that is it for today's podcast. I'm gonna talk more about these six things that you can do over at thelivingwell.com. I'll show you the hierarchy of hormones and Maslow's hierarchy of needs and show you how they relate together because I think it does create a good understanding of these are the things that you really need to do to see overall wellness. And in the process of this, you have to understand that in order to change your mind and shift your beliefs and start to heal your internal being, you really do need to create the support in your body so that it has space and the energy to free yourself of those things. So this podcast is important going into the summer series. I don't want you to neglect it. And if you want to join me, we're doing a 30-day nourish challenge that's going to help you implement more of these physiological needs that your body must have in order for you to experience a better life all around, better relationships, better self-confidence. All of those things come from how do you first support yourself? So if you want to support yourself, check out the Nourish Challenge in the blog post or again at the Weekly Fill where I'm sharing more and jump aboard and join me as we dive in. Okay, that is it for today. I will be back here in a few weeks as we dive into the Mind Body series that's coming this summer. In the meantime, enjoy the start of summer and I will see you back here really soon.